Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome Amy Frederick to our show. Amy is the president of U.S. Insurance Solutions at Principal Financial Group. And today, Amy and I are going to talk about the results from this year's Wellbeing Index Study from Principal Financial. And I know there are going to be a lot of great takeaways for our listeners. So pay attention and have a pen and paper ready. And with that, I want to welcome to the Small Business Edge podcast, Amy Frederick. Hello. Thanks for having me, Brian. You know, it's my pleasure. You know, anytime I can have a guest on like you that really has their you know, fingers on the pulse of what's happening in the SMB space, especially when it comes to something like insurance and well-being, you know, two areas that are like the abyss for my listeners. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a great, a great show. So uh, I'm excited to have you. Okay. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Good. Good. All right. Before we get started, tell me a little bit about what you're working on right now at Principal. What's happening and, and, and more importantly, how can it benefit my listeners who are business owners? Sure. So when I think about what we're working on with Principal, the first thing I think of is small businesses. So I think of, um, you already hit it. There's this big hole in, um, our ability to tell a story about what protection products, what things are out there that can help a small business owner run their business, understand what their business is worth, understand how they should be protecting themselves and their employees. And I think that is really the genesis of the work we do is to make our products understandable, to make sure we're having conversations, to make sure that we're getting a pulse on what gaps need to be filled. And that's really what this well-being index is doing for us is giving us a constant sort of annual checkpoint to go check the temperature with business owners and understand what things they're worried about, what things they're, they're excited about, and how they're feeling about themselves, their employees, and general economic conditions. So that's that's the stuff we're working on. Yeah. And, and that's all of the things that most of small <laughs> the small business owners are not working on, believe it or not. You know, they, they have, I always said that you know, most businesses have blinders on, like horses in a horse race, and they can only see what's in front of them. So it's sales, it's finding new customers, it's, um, you know, expenses. And so right. they, they tend to think of things like insurance. That, that's often the periphery, right? They can't really see that. And oftentimes we tell them, you know, when's the last time you checked your insurance policies? You know, do you have a checklist out? You know, you've grown your business, your business has changed. Maybe you've hired people, you open a new location, your revenue has changed. You know, now's the time to do a checkup to make sure you're covered in the event something happens. Yeah. And I, I think small business owners have like the hardest jobs out there. They're a key part of the economy. We need them to keep growing. We need them to keep hiring. We need them to keep moving products around. Um, but one of the things I think, and I'll take this as a blame for the industry. I think we've done a terrible job is it's not, there's not a lot of great consumable information out there about um, what does a great benefit package yeah. look like? What, what, if you're thinking about insurance, what is, I mean, I, I had better luck personally researching a toaster 
and the features <laughs> on a toaster. I'm not even making this up. Yeah. Then I yeah. did going out and putting in searches for insurance products. And I came back to my team and I'm like, I had a more engaging experience looking for a toaster yeah. than I did looking for benefit plans. That's, yeah. that's on us too. So we got to figure that out. So, so I love having conversations like this because it helps keep, helps keep me and my team and, and principal and the whole industry sharper on how can we help more? How well, can I think, we yeah. I'm sorry. I, I think you hit it on the head. You know, you put yourself in the shoes of a small business owner and said, okay, if I'm looking for uh, insurance and I do an online search, what am I finding? And, and, how hard, I mean, do I need like a degree, a college degree to understand what I need and what I don't need? Right. So when you asked, what are some of the things principals doing? We're, we're absolutely trying to start that journey to say, we've got to be compliant. We got to follow regulations. Right. But, but there has to be a better way to speak to people in a language that makes sense. And um, one of the things we've done, and this is even beyond this particular survey, um, we got so serious about thinking about understanding what small business owners were going through, that we sent out three of our own employees, you know, not for a day or an hour, but for an entire month. Mm -hmm. And we attached them to three small businesses and they did jobs out in those small businesses. It was, you know, a a day spa and um, an IT technology firm and um, a law firm. And they spent time working on real business problems with those business owners for an entire month. And one of the things we found was exactly what you said. Um, and I think the way you said it was they have blinders on. What I would say is they are so busy doing right. the day-to-day work that the time they've built in to pause and to plan is non-existent. So and that's I can a, tell you that's, yeah. that's, that's very harmful not to pause and plan. So you're preaching to the choir because that's something I talk about in almost every podcast. I call it a GPS plan, you know, how to proactively get your business to where you want it to go at, by the end of the year and hit your objectives and to, to look at opportunities and obstacles in a proactive way. So, you know, again, that I love that because you reinforce all of the things that I've said in my previous podcasts. So I, I do have some credibility now with my listeners, but uh, you, you got it. You're brilliant. So I'm, <laughs> we're just, we're just going to talk about this thing. No, you're no, no. Brilliant. no, they no. should absolutely listen to you. Uh, but, but I mean, I, I love the fact that you walk the talk. So that's great. Thank you for doing that. And now with that, I'd love to get into this uh, well-being index study that you, you did. So, um, Tell, tell us, start by telling us a little bit about, you know, what the well-being index study is about. When did you start it? And what are some of the key takeaways that you found uh, from this year's results? Sure. We started the well-being index six or seven years ago. And what it really was, was our ability to um, get after sort of that small employer experience. We had actually done um, some work under that well-being umbrella, but it was more towards consumers before that, more towards individuals and their spending habits and saving habits. And so really what we did six or seven years ago was introduce a dimension where we were scanning the market for small business owner attitudes, opinions, what they're thinking about. So we're fielding that with, you know, say maybe like 600 mm-hmm. small business owners and they're going to employ 
probably somewhere between like 10 and all the way up to, to 500 employees. But the bulk of them are probably going to employ, think of it more like 50 employees. That's mm-hmm. kind of the sweet spot of where those responses come in. Um, and then when we, we're asking them questions, we're, we're talking about what's challenging for them, but we're also trying to get a sense of, you know, what are you excited about? What are you worried about? What are some things that you worry about for yourself, but also maybe even more importantly for taking care of your employees? So that's what the, that's what the well-being index is. Well, so it's interesting. And, and I'm always looking for, I, I call it what keeps you up at night. Like what are the one or two or three things that, you know, you just can't sleep because they're constantly running through your head. And when I read the study, one stat that jumped out at me was that 80% of respondents are worried about the cost of healthcare. Right. So now we're already into 2020, but what are some things that business owners can do to provide, you know, they want to provide solid healthcare for their employees. That to me is a way that they can stay competitive in a, an economy where we're seeing record low unemployment. And so, you know, business owners have to find some things to make them stand out. So, yeah. And so, right. When they're, when they're talking about healthcare, here's one of the things I always kind of come back to. I talk to a lot of small business owners and they sort of get, I'm not stuck is probably too hard of a word, but, but they get caught up on the point of, I just have to get, great healthcare in for my people. And mm-hmm. what I end up talking to them about is, okay, if you had to spend, you know, $1,000 per employee per year, $1,500 per employee per, per year, and you were going to spend that all on healthcare, maybe what you could think about is putting in a healthcare plan that gave you what your employee population needs to take care of, you know, sort of normal or catastrophic events. Right. But maybe you hold back 200 or $300 of that and stop worrying so much about the Cadillac healthcare plan and get some in- income protection in for your employees. Mm. So if they can't work, maybe put some of those dollars towards a disability plan. Maybe put some of those dollars towards something that's more like um, a vision insurance or life insurance. And so what people talk about with healthcare is they always get stuck on that sort of major medical piece. And what I would say is expand your definition because when you, when they talk to their employees, yes, their employees are worried about good access to good healthcare, but some of them are even more worried about catastrophic events that would leave their spouse in poverty or not being able to make it if they couldn't have three paychecks in a row. So there's other things that are insurance products that we should be talking about and not get stuck and held up on just health insurance all the time. Visits Does that make to sense? the doctor, a hundred percent. In fact, that's the first takeaway from this podcast is it's a two-parter. One, talk to your employees about what they want or what they need or what's keeping them up at night. You know, I've, I've done a, a fair amount of, 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 you know, reading about how, uh, employees are worried about exactly what you talked about. You know, what if my husband or my spat, my wife becomes disabled and we lose, we lose a paycheck. What's going to happen to us? Right. And so, and so for $250 a year, and again, I'm generalizing here, mm-hmm. but you could take care of an employee and get great income protection in place. 
And that's the thing I think you said that's so important. Go talk to your employees. Right. You might find out that pet insurance is as critical to 75% <laughs> of your employees. I mean, honestly, I'm kind of laughing in my head about it, but yeah. I have talked to more employees who said, if you don't allow me a way to take care of my pet, mm. um, I'm going to feel like you haven't completely taken into account my family. Right. It's like, okay, right. then, then we need to figure that out. I'm laughing because I have three dogs. So, oh. <laughs> I so had you would, two. Do you have yeah. pet insurance? That's my y question then. Yes, actually, yes, I do. We had two dogs for years and uh, they both passed away. And then I thought, oh, you know, we'll take a short break between, you know, uh, you know, having dogs in the house. And then two, my, I have four children, two daughters, two sons. And my daughter said, absolutely not. And the next thing I know, she goes out and gets a dog. And then we rescue two more dogs uh, in New York City. So within a span of 48 hours, I went from having no dogs to three puppies. So oh, three puppies? <laughs> yeah, well, okay. now they're, now they're Brian, three years old. Brian, I know. I know. We, we need to talk about this. I, I know. You're not know. showing the best judgment there. But uh, we'll, get, I, we'll get to that later. <laughs> I am a glutton for punishment. That's all I know. And these dogs, they're three. Now, they're either going to keep me young or they're going to like add 10 years to every or year. Or they're going to kill life. you. <laughs> they really are. They really are. But pet but, insurance. But it comes back to everybody constructs their their life differently, their families mm -hmm. differently, their how they think of health and security differently. That is one of the benefits a small business should have. You can actually go talk to everybody. And if you can get to everybody, you can put together a plan that's tailored for your population. And I got to tell you, as, as a really large business, sometimes I'm super jealous of that. I mean, I would love to know I could go have a conversation with everybody on an annual or even every other year basis to say what's important to you. So small business owners need to take advantage of that. That's such great advice. And I, and I really do hope our listeners are writing that down that, you know, when it comes to employee benefit plans that you take a proactive approach, don't look at it as a necessary evil. Look at it as an opportunity to reward your existing employees for their loyalty and dedication to your company by giving them uh, uh, an offering that's going to address their needs so that when they come to work, they're present, that they're engaged and they're not disengaged worrying about, you know, short-term disability, pet insurance and life insurance. Right. And do it as a cultural cornerstone. Yes. I've talked to a lot involved. of business owners who kind of say to me, oh, I've been so lucky. I found someone who was willing for $25 per person per month to take over all of my HR to do everything, to pick benefits for me. And what I'm always thinking is you're giving away a cornerstone of the culture you can build. Yeah. How you care for yourself and your employees speaks to what kind of a company you're building. And that's one of the things we're seeing is that our data, one of the most interesting things I've seen, because I've been involved in this study for all the years we've done it. One mm -hmm. of the most interesting things I'm seeing is everyone used to talk to up until this year, one of their major concerns be attracting new employees. That all of a sudden has switched to now more are concerned about retaining. And that's fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, you realize how, how tight the labor market is, especially the skilled labor market, right? You right. And so, white collar skill, exactly. Sort of, yeah. sort of white collar skills that you really are, are, they're very transferable from industry to industry. Right. Those are 
Those are the ones though, that you have to build a story around your culture. And people have to understand that what they're working on, what they're doing, how they're being cared for, it's bigger than just a paycheck by paycheck relationship. And so another big piece of advice I would have in terms of retaining employees is, is do some sort of a cultural check with your employees and understand how they feel about how benefits or having access to some work perks like, you know, travel or childcare subsidies or student loan subsidies. Those are things that don't have to be purely in that the employer pays for them as a benefit, but you can find interesting ways to introduce perks into the business that really deepen your culture in ways that matter. To right. People. Those are voluntary benefits, right? That you're yeah, talking about? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. A, another key takeaway, you know, not everything, need, you know, you can subsidize that as an employer, but just simply being able to offer it to your employees because not everybody may need it or want it. And so they don't want to pay for it. But Right. And yeah, that just, there's a lot of people who say, you know, those, they're probably not worried about a company that has 20 people. Yes, we are. We're worried about a company that has 20 people and we want to make these things available, whether you're doing it on a voluntary basis, meaning, you know, paying for it yourself as an employee, Mm -hmm. or we're just there to help give you some good advice on perks that we don't have any say in, you know, manufacturing as an insurance product, but we know it's a good thing to do for your culture. So, so I think spending some time really making sure you're not just worried about acquiring new employees, but Mm -hmm. you've got some good time that you've paused on retaining that that is time that I'm seeing business owners telling me I need to spend. I know I need to spend more time doing that. We could stop the podcast right now, but we're not, but I'm saying like that alone is gold for my listeners. Great. Understanding that insurance should not be treated as a necessary evil or an abyss or Oh, yeah, I got to, you know, okay, let's just pick the lowest price point insurance policy again and, you know, get over, you know, get it over with. Um, But really delve into what the opportunities are and how you can use employee benefits as a competitive advantage in business. You got it. And I I feel like when when I get time with business owners to just go have a conversation, hmm. they they get it. And when they make time for it, they come back to me later and they're like, this was the right thing to do. So totally. couldn't agree more. Totally. All right, let's, let's pivot just a little bit because there's a lot in this uh, well-being index study. And I do want to get to some of the other parts. Um, you know, there was another stat that jumped out and, and we're going to shift now to kind of digital transformation. It said that 80% of the respondents in your study are worried about growing revenue. And that's no surprise, right? So, you know, the world is kind of in this massive digital transformation. And, you know, everything now is what I call OMG. And it's my OMG is online, mobile, and global. So any of your small business owners who participate in that survey who are not keeping up, you know, with the digital transformation is probably, you know, why they're worried, right? I mean, 80% feel like the digital world is passing them by and they're still stuck in analog. Yeah, I, they, they are worried about that. And then they're worried about things like, if I do move things more digitally, there's comfort in paper in part for them because they can protect it. So they're worried about things like cybersecurity. They're worried about things like, wait, could someone actually 
breach this information and go get it. So I have a lot of conversations with small business owners where they're like, you know, I, I kind of don't want to do some of these digital things, even when my customers are demanding it. Cause I, I feel like we can't, I feel like we can't secure it. And that's, um, I, you know, I get what they're saying, but what I can tell you is that is not a road that's going to end well at a for them. Yeah, and there are yeah. more and more people, you know, including principal who are recognizing there's probably a role out there for things like, you know, the Cybersecurity Institute and making right. sure we're supporting small business owners with those things that, that we need to figure out an efficient way to get the right tools and tips in the hands of small business owners. But to, to keep to paper because you're worried about it is absolutely not the solution. Right. But the challenge that business owners will come back with is I don't have the time. You know, I don't have the time to look at transforming my business into a, a digital, the digital world. I don't have time to look at all of this incredible technology that's out there. When I talk to them about social media, I say, you know, you're not part of the conversations. And, and I tell them, you know, social media, think of social media as social selling, that your customers, your prospects, your competition, they're all on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, for the most part. And they come back and say, you know, you know Brian, that's great. I just don't have the time. I said, then what are you spending your time on? They said, well, I'm spending time on trying to find new customers. <laughs> and, 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 they're, and they're waiting for you on all of those different platforms right. that you just talked about. And so, so one of the other interesting, and this is sort of other research we've done, is that um, there's an amazing amount of um, business owners themselves who say that they don't go to... Um, you know, necessarily reach out to a formal like benefits broker or someone who's a specialist in the industry. Like if they're looking for a recommendation, even on things like insurance, they're going to go to like Yelp. It's <laughs> like, what? You're going to go to Yelp? <laughs> oh my so, God. So yeah. I guess the, the point for me is though, those platforms that provide, um, and, and here's the point I guess I would make on this too, is I think digital and technology, a lot of people take them as they move me further away from the customer. No. What I would tell you is if you treat them as a platform that can give you a forum and a network to interact, you can actually get more intimacy and idea sharing and best practice moving from those digital forums. You do have to put some time and work into investing and finding out number one, where other business owners are and then where your customers are. And that data is not hard to come by. That's our second takeaway point right there, you know, that, that embracing uh, digital transformation, digital and social media can actually move you closer to your customers, that there's, there's, there's technology out there that will allow you to automate the certain mundane practices so it'll free up your time. It, it, there's a learning curve. Right? There's a learning curve from going from analog to digital, right, from going from paper to computer. But, but you'll get past that learning curve. And once you get up and running, then you're in the game and you'll learn how to automate certain of the, the processes that go along with the digital world. And all of a sudden you'll have more time to offer personal custom solutions to your prospects online. You get but, it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. And 
you don't have to go to the highest, um, most highly recognized consulting names to get help. Honestly, lots of local community colleges, lots of local universities Mm -hmm. have co-ops and internship programs. And those people are absolutely dying to get real world experience that business owners can provide and they're up on all the new technology. And so I send people a lot of times to their local higher education institutions, whether they're community colleges or universities and say, offer internships, get people to help you solve these problems. And they come back and they're like, uh, yeah, that person was brilliant and they became an employee. Right. Exactly. Takeaway so number three. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's not as hard as like, oh, I got to run an RFP for a consulting firm. No. I would tell you if you're a small business, don't do that. Go, go to your local resources and get people who are tech savvy to help you solve real business problems. Right. And that those same universities, almost all of them have a small business development center. Of course. Right. They're part of the ASBC, the ASBDC. So look for your small business development center. Look for your SCORE chapter or your SBA office or a local chamber of commerce or a local women's network or a minority network. The bottom line is there are dozens of free resources, you know, within, you know, you could throw a rock depending on where you live. Not that I'm suggesting that, but you could throw a rock. <laughs> Not that you're ever suggesting rock throwing. That would <laughs> right, be bad. Right, right, All right. Maybe hit a golf ball and uh, and hit one of these free resources. So just take the time to really understand your surroundings and what's available to you at little or no cost. Now, you know, a free internship, I think, you know, on that part, I think you get what you pay for. I think you should definitely, you know, pay somebody to, you know, you don't want to break the bank, but pay somebody so that they feel empowered. And yeah, I would fe- look at it as a cost-efficient internship. No yeah. doubt. I don't, I, because you want someone to feel like they've got skin in the game. I think yeah. you do want to pay them something. And it becomes an entry point for them understanding what your business is like. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of these stories end up with these people going from an internship to being employed by these yeah. small businesses. You're offering them real world experience as they are going through college. I can't think of any better opportunity than that. So that's fantastic. So great. Back back to the the index, uh, the well being index study. So we've talked about um, healthcare. We've talked about hiring and retaining employees, and there were some other stats. You know, sixty six percent of your uh, sur- people surveyed were worried about attracting new employees. So, and 67% are worried about keeping up with technology. Um, 73% were worried about retaining current employees. We touched on that. So, uh, Amy, it sounds like business owners are pretty worried about a lot of, a lot of things. Is that what you find? Business owners, you, you know, this business Mm -hmm. owners are a unique group. They're, they're like, they're like the eternal optimists, but they're also sort of the eternal pessimists too. You know, they, they can never do enough. They always want to do more. And when I talk to them about it, it's like, I can help more people. I know I can do more. Right. I can get there faster. I know I can do this. And so it means they worry about a lot of things, but, but I'm going to come back to a point I made before, which is that, you know, kind of pause and plan piece. They, they worry about these things, but I do not see them taking an hour block, a mm. two hour block, a half day block 
and forcing themselves to, to think through questions like, how do I build a culture that people love being here? Yeah. How do I look a year ahead and make one technology decision that's going to put me into more of a social or high tech category? How can I make one benefit decision that even if I don't end up purchasing anything, I got smarter about what was out there. So, so that's what I would say is there are a lot of things they're worried about, but there are a ton of things they're also really excited about. I think, I think one dimension too that you and I haven't talked about yet is we're starting to cut this information by sort of generations and mm-hmm. look at some of the generational differences. And one of the really interesting things I'm seeing is that if you're a business owner and you're kind of closer to that, you know, boomer category, you have a different series of motivators and thoughts about how you solve problems for your employees <clears throat> than if you're a millennial business owner. And I'm not, I don't want to put any judgments because I'm, <laughs> because I'm way too close to one of those categories than <laughs> the other one. So right, I don't, right. I don't, but I don't want like right. a hello boomer to, towards <laughs> me. Um, but, but I think when you look at those boomers, they're saying, I provide employee benefits because I feel an obligation to do it to my employees. Mm. If you ask a millennial, they're saying, I provide it because I feel like it gives me a critical business advantage. Neither one of those are right or wrong reasons. But what I would say is you're probably doing some different culture building based upon why you're doing the things you're doing. And and if you want to use that as an advantage to get and keep employees, you got to be pretty aware of why you're doing the things you're doing. So everything you just mentioned is all part of, it needs to be part of this GPS plan. You know, when you talk about, you know, taking time, I refer to that as going to the clouds of your business. You know, we spend most of our time in the weeds of our business. We can't see more than three to five feet in front of us. But what you're saying, and I always espouse that, is whether it's weekly or monthly, it should be at least monthly where you take time and you invite key members of your team and your business advisors, maybe your lawyer, your accountant, you might even invite some key vendors or customers. Or maybe you have a benefits broker that you love that gives you good thoughts on things way beyond benefits. Right. And you say, okay, this is time to look at our business from 20,000 feet. This is where we've been. This is where we are right now. And this is where we want to go. So what does six months, 12 months down the road look like? You know, where do we think our business can be? What are some of the obstacles that are going to be in our way? What are some of the opportunities? And what's the best path? And then what is a contingency plan? Because as we all know, nothing ever goes according to the original plan. So I'm 100% in support of of that, you know, you know, that, that, that kind of recommendation to business owners that they take and, this time. Yep. And one of the things you and I haven't talked about yet, Brian, is because I mean, uh, and I'm, my life is kind of the insurance business and the protection businesses. But when you do that time to plan, one of the things they find a lot when business owners kind of either are talking to their own employees or talking to the people around them that are experts is people are worried about just sheer things like savings. They don't know if they're getting it done in terms of actually saving enough 
And I don't care if you're talking about saving enough for retirement, a boat, sending a kid to college. I don't care what the issue is, but they're worried about saving. And I do think one of the other interesting statistics we continue to uncover is, especially in small businesses, employees really listen to their business owner. Mm. They look at them as a source of expertise. And so if the business owner can help provide good information to them on how to save, how to think about retirement planning, how to think about um, what you're doing to get your kids ready, you know, if you think you're going to pay for college, those things are not necessarily classified as benefits, but they are viewed incredibly highly as meaningful from your employee population that you gave me good advice on how to do something that mattered to my own financial security or my own welfare or my own stress level. So I want to make sure we, we at least kind of nudge in that direction too. That's not just pure benefits or insurance. I think of you, I, I play this game and I've been doing it for years. I call it the what if game. And I, and I think of, of what you're saying and I think of principal financial now as the what if people. So you sit, down, you sit down with people and you say, let me ask you a couple of questions. What if your building burned down? What, what would you do? What if you lost your largest customer tomorrow? What if um, you got hacked? What if your biggest competitor came along and said, uh, will you buy us? You know, what if is not always a negative thing. It could be a yeah, positive What if thing. you grew 40% and you weren't expecting it? Right. Right. That all yeah. of a sudden you won this piece of business and you said yes to it. And you, you know, you use the old, you know, quote, oh, you know, jump, jump off a cliff and figure out how to work the parachute on the way down. Well, that right. doesn't always work. What yeah. if someone came and offered you $10 million for your business? Oh, that's What's easy. Business <laughs> I, what, someone but, but offers like, me $10 million. Have you done a business appraisal? Right, What's your right. What's business worth? 100%. Is that 100%. Even, it's flattering, but is it even a good deal? I would take it. <laughs> I would take it and then I'd, well, I'd Brian, move. Brian, you're raising like a whole herd of people and dogs. So, of course, you yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. I would take it and then I would start my next business and, and have all that money in the bank. But these are you, you, Amy, you're the what if person. And that is to a business owner, that is the most important person in their lives. And it comes I love down that. to one word accountability. A, a what if person holds you accountable to your dreams, your goals, your plan, and they look at it and, and they say, oh, you want to be, you want to do a million dollars in revenue this year, $10 million in revenue? That's awesome. Let's, let's put, you know, this through the litmus test. You know, how much business did you do last year? Let's say we're talking about 10 million. Oh, I did uh, $8 million. Okay, great. So you're going to, you're going to jump it by 25%. That's awesome. How much of the business are you going to lose this year? You know, do you, do you plan on losing? Because not everything's going to renew, right? No. Right. right. So, so maybe a million dollars is not going to renew. So, all right, now you're down to seven. So you need $3 million in new business. All right. That's, you know, help me with the math, but that's over 40% of your, of your revenue is going to be. Right. Uh, and I'm sorry. how many employees? Yeah. 30% of need? new revenue. Right. Exactly. And, and how and, many employees are you going to need and what are they all going to be worried about? They're going to that, be worried about working a ton because you're so successful. Right. And now is all of that money going to come in or do you need to build the infrastructure first? 
and then have the new, I mean, which needs to come first, the infrastructure or the business? Because how long will it take you to find all those new employees and build that infrastructure out and be able to update all your insurance and, and maybe you need new leasing, you know, need office space or whatever it is. But, but what, what you do is you hold them accountable. You call it, you know, I'm in the protection business. I'm protecting your downside with, with these insurance policies. But really, if you extend it out, you, what you're doing is you're saying, we're going to hold you accountable. We're not going to take this on face value of what you're saying. We're going to really be a trusted advisor for you. And we're going to say, okay, show me how you're going to get there. And you then let us, let us make sure that you are insured and that you have the proper you know, plans in place so that when you do grow your company, you can sleep well at night knowing right. that everything is protected. And what, what customers, what kind of customers do you want? What kind of partners do you want to work with? What kind of right. employees do you need? What kind of culture do you need? I think the companies, and I would argue companies like Principal, but Principal Financial Group in particular is, is one of those people that can sit with you and not just dream with you, but help make it happen. You create the GPS plan. We do. Literally, literally. The GPS do. plan, Amy, tells me, here I am today on, you know, whatever date, right? Here I am today, and here's where I want to be at the end of 2020. And this plan shows me exactly everything that I need to do to get from where I am today to where I want to be at the end of the year. And Brian, that's why it's so lucky we get to do these jobs. Yeah. Because we get <laughs> to help people yes. make this stuff happen, and it changes lives. So that's why I love my job. Yeah, there's so much good information. And you know what? I can tell. Now, you know, and for my listeners, I'm literally meeting Amy today. And, and But I just feel this connection to her that she's been doing this long enough, and she shares that same love that it's in her DNA to help small business owners run better companies and answer the questions and, and ask the questions that they're not asking of themselves. You got so. it. And we will build a stronger economy if all of us do these things better. So that's what I want us to do. I want yeah. us to win together. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. So on, on that note, so I'm not going to let you go that quickly though. I do okay. want to have you, I want to have you back on our podcast, you know, right. maybe, maybe in a couple of months and, and, uh, you know, I want you to give us an update on what you're working on and, and I want to be able to go out and, and talk to our listeners and get some feedback from them. I'll share it with you, but this really has been fantastic. Great. You, and you Brian, I've even got some ideas. We are doing some research with small business owners that we're not quite ready for prime time yet, but okay. in a couple months, I think we're going to have some really interesting stuff. And some of it was really surprising to me. So I'll, I'll I would love to wow. talk to you about this again. Was that a cliffhanger? It was <laughs> the next chapter with Brian and Amy. Right, right. Okay. Well, fantastic. All right. Okay. On that, on that note, Amy, thank you so much for taking the time today. If people wanted to reach out to you or Principal Financial or get a copy of the, the well-being study, how can they do that? Uh, you can always go to www.principal and it's P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L, principal.com. You can find the information there. Is it backslash well-being, I believe, as well? So you can get that information right there and you can find me even um, on LinkedIn. Or you can find me um, on the executive team at Principal. Fantastic. All right. With that, I want to thank you again. 
I want to thank everybody for listening today. Please, as, as you always do, send me your feedback, your questions, your comments. With that, you've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran. My guest today has been Amy Frederick from Principal Financial. She's the president of the U.S. Insurance Solutions Group there. Uh, thanks a lot. Use these takeaways and put them into your business today so that you can be a better business tomorrow. Take care, everyone. You've been listening to the Small Business Edge podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Please visit our website, smallbusinessedge.com, for a listing of future podcasts.